0: Welcome to Writer on the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. And welcome to a very special Valentine's edition of Writer on the Road. Um, We're all about romance today with the beautiful Claire Connolly. And Claire has been kind enough to to give me four of her latest release uh, for Harlequin Mills and Boone. Uh, It's called Off Limits. And it's a dare romance, which is, I think, Mills and Burns' newest, hottest line. I think in the olden days, they used to call them temptations. Uh, nowadays, they've gotten hotter and they're called dare. Now, I've had a bit of a read of Claire's novel and it's well worth having having a read. And so when I give these four books away today, what we've decided to do is to make it a tweet pitch. Now, I'm really excited about this. I love the idea of a tweet pitch. So what we want you to do, what Claire and I have put our heads together and come up with is we want you to tweet your pitch uh, to uh, Melinda Hammond or at at Melinda-Hammond, I think, at Twitter. I'm not very good at Twitter, but I'm about to learn very, very quickly. Uh, or Claire, it's at Claire Writes Love. Uh, so I'll put those, both those Twitter handles in, the, in our uh, show notes. And so what you get to win is one of four copies of Off Limits by the beautiful Claire Con- Connolly, uh, both indie and a hybrid author or romance author, Australian romance author, which makes it, makes us even prouder. Okay, so remember, a tweet pitch. What is your novel about in 140 characters or less? And when you listen to my conversation with Claire today, we talk a little bit about what editors want and going to conferences and being able to to throw that elevator pitch out there. So we decided we're going to give you some practice before the Sydney Romance Writers Conference uh, later this year, and we want you to send us your best efforts now you can enter as many times as you want so I should imagine you can have a bit of fun with that I'm going to actually enter mine as well because I think I deserve to win one of these things as well Uh, Claire will decide the winner I think probably on next week's podcast but for today have a listen to Claire's advice Uh, and she's she's written over 50 novels so she's full of lots of really really good advice but a tweet pitch and it tickles my fancy happy Valentine's Day everybody what a way what a way to start the day all right. Uh, what's happening with me is that I'm halfway through my 30 days to better writing habits and I'm Facebook living for five minutes every day for the month of February. And it's really amazing. I was hoping to inspire you and what I've actually done is I've I've inspired myself. I'm up to, I think last night I counted, it was 16,000 words of, of my new novel. So this is the year of the writing for me. I'm certainly not going to get to a million, or not yet anyway, uh, as I spoke with on the podcast last week. Um, but never mind Tracy, I'm Tracy Peterson, I'm trying. So I've got 16,000 words. We're halfway through our 30 days uh, to better writing habits, and I'm going to put it up as an ebook with the links to all the little five-minute uh, videos because I think this is really invaluable stuff. And I didn't expect it to be, but already I'm starting to remember the process I used to go to go through when I used to write. And one of the things that I really notice is trusting in the process. You don't have to know where you're going before you start, but it's only once you start and you start to develop that writing habit that, that the process kicks in. And I'm noticing that last night when I finished uh, my words for the day that I actually made notes about what was going to happen next. Now, it's been a long, long time um, since my subconsciousness kicked in and told me what I'm doing and where I should be going and how my character should, behave, should be behaving. So I'm really, really excited about that. Uh, something else that we've got happening is the Voices in Your Head uh, writing guidelines over at Writer on the Road. If you want to want your free copy of that, just subscribe to our newsletter. Okay, so we're starting to get a few subscribers. So that um, free Voices in Your Head writing guidelines, again, is something that you need to, to have a look at because the Voices in Our Heads all try to subvert us and all try to distract us and all those kinds of things. So it's worth having a look at this thing uh, to find out exactly what you can do to stop that happening. All right, last but not least, I've got um, three beautiful ladies. They've started a newsletter called The Secret Life of Authors, Rachel Johns, Sally Haywood and Lisa Island. Now I think you can, I know you can go to Lisa's Uh, website to subscribe to that newsletter, The Secret Life of Authors, and I'm going to try, they don't know this yet, but I'm going to try and get them on the podcast altogether. I think it would be an absolutely wonderful podcast to make The Secret Life of Authors. Okay, sit back, don't forget your tweet pitch, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter, have a look at the 30-day habits, and most of all, have a listen to the beautiful Claire Connolly as she talks us through the process of writing the best romance novel that we can. It's welcome back to the beautiful Claire Connolly. How are you, Claire? I'm well. How are you, Melinda? Good. Uh, I've noticed this morning when I, I was looking up your name, it's been nine months since you've been on the podcast, and it seems like yesterday. Oh, I could have had a
1: baby in that time.
0: Oh, please, no. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, we love babies, but sometimes those days pass. Uh, Now, Claire, for anyone who doesn't know, and how you wouldn't know, I guess I don't know, uh, Claire is a prolific romance writer of over 50 novels, uh, both erotica, uh, indie published, and now for Harlequin, Mills and Boone, and we have Presents and Dare. So I've got Claire back, everyone, today, so that we can talk about what that change was like from indie to hybrid author. So, Claire, take it away. Tell us about your uh, first book, Off Limits, with Harlequin, Mills and Boone.
1: So this is, well, it's actually my third of Mills and Boone. It's my first Oh, look, we've
0: got twins. We're both holding up the books, everybody. We've both got them. Go. (laughs)
1: Um, It is... For anyone who's not familiar with the premise of Dare, it's the new line for Mills and Boone, which has just launched, and it is, it's is—it's romance. They're love stories first and foremost, uh, but they do have a really engaging high heat level, so they're very sexy, uh, quite graphic. Um, there are some curse words, you know, so it's a little bit of a diversion for Mills and Boone, but I think it's very much uh, in step with what a lot of uh, romance readers want.
0: Yeah. Did it used to be, they used to, I used to read, I think it was temptation and they were a little bit raunchier. I I assume these were something like those.
1: Yeah. And, and blaze, but I, their uh, tagline is the hottest series yet. And I think that's true. I think they're, they're pushing the envelope in lots of ways that they haven't done before um, consistently across all the books, but, but it's Mills and Boone. What you will get is a love story and a happily ever after.
0: Yeah, now everyone, I'll let you in on a little secret. Claire sent me four copies of Off Limits and we're going to talk about how we're going to get them to you. So you've got four copies, everybody, to win or we might just give them away. We'll have a little chat. But I had a sneak preview and the first thing I shot off a a message to Claire saying, hang on, this is in first person present tense. What's going on? That's not Mills and Boone's style. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've changed so much, haven't they?
1: They have. And, again, uh, a diversion for Dare, there is no one way that these are written. So some of them are written in uh, third-person past, as you'd be used to. Others are written first-person past tense. So it's really up to the author how they feel most comfortable telling the story. And for me, when I write this kind of book, I, which is that slightly grittier, edgier, um, very, very graphic, I really like that you can get into the hero and heroine's heads so completely. So, and, and to be, I, I find being in the present tense, I know some readers don't like it, but once you switch over to reading it, it is an incredibly engrossing way to digest a story.
0: Yeah. Now, everyone, the thing is you are in the author's head, you don't see anything else. So you get quite intimate, I think, with your, with your uh, heroine. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't even know if you bring the hero's um, first person present tense in as well. Yes. Um, yeah. I Claire's do. nodding ahead. head. Yep. Uh, it is, it is amazing. Uh, and for these kinds of short romance novels, I should imagine that it's a pretty good technique to utilise.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's especially, um, I really wanted to bring the the hero into this book. And in fact, all my dares have um, segue from heroine to hero. She's probably 75% of the, the narrative, but then we do dip into his head as well. And it's it's very clear who's viewpoint you're seeing but the reason being that um my heroes for dare have tended to be quite quite messy characters and i think it makes them more sympathetic if you can immediately see where they're coming from or what their sort of internal conflict is
0: yeah now i hope you're taking notes everybody because claire's um uh, quite oh, superb at the craft of of uh, writing a story and pulling it all together for us. So you're dropping in all these little tips and tricks that I don't want anyone to miss. But I also want to talk to you today about what it's like to go from a full-time indie author to now having, I guess, The World at Your Feet as a, a traditionally published romance author with um, Harlequin. I mean, it's huge, isn't it?
1: It is. Uh, it's very um, – so for people who've heard me speak before or who know my story um, – forgive me because this is doubling up, but I've always wanted to write for Mills and Boone. That's always been my um, my dream. So I, for me, making the switch from indie to Mills and Boone was, Easy and I haven't walked away from Indie. I'm still releasing a a limited number of indie books a year. But there there are differences in terms of um I'm much more disciplined writing for Mills and Boone. I I was never very strong at the business side of indie things. So I tended to write when I wanted to write, release when I wanted to release. You know, it could be six weeks between books, it could be three months between books. Whereas with Mills and Boone I I have got a pretty full-on schedule of um when my books are needed by them and when they go through editorial and when I have to get them back again.
0: Oh dear, so, I'm doomed. Yeah, I'm, I'm doomed before I start everybody. Uh, discipline. Discipline is the first word of being a, being a full-time writer everyone, you have to get yourself organised. Uh, we're talking about the 30 days of writing habits and I want to talk to you about your writing habits shortly but I want to stay with the writing for a traditional publisher. Now you've got a schedule, you've got one book out, now you've got some more coming out in pretty quick succession with um, Harlequin, mm-hmm. haven't you?
1: Yeah. So I had my, my first two were presents, which came out in August and December and then off limits is my first for dare. And then I have another presents out, I think next month and then another dare in uh april so there's they are coming out and it's just the way after that they'll be more spaced out through the year but it's just the way that this happened with the launch of dare uh that there's a little bit of uh claire Connolly
0: blitz happening (laughs) yeah which is good which is good for your name and it's good for your brand and everything how many and i see i'm treading very carefully here because i'm not quite sure what what we're allowed to ask everyone with with my indie guests i can ask what i want and you can tell me what you want but i don't know whether with traditional publishers we have to be a bit more careful how many books uh, a year do they is there an expectation that you write
1: um well it's really I, I think it's different i'm i'm contracted to do three presents a year and uh probably three dares a year So they will leapfrog each other, I would imagine, in terms of release. But I know some Mills and Boone writers who do one a year. I think Amy Andrews does one medical roughly a year. Some do, like Sharon Kendrick, does four a year. Uh, Maisie Maisie Yates has done four a year, I think. So it really depends on what your capacity is, what your readership is. Um, I'm very happy if I can do three presents and three dares. I think that that's a phenomenal uh, way to spread into the Mills and Boone readership.
0: Yeah, now that's six novels at fifty to 55,000 words each, everybody. There's 600,000 words before she even starts on her indie indie publishing and that's plus family, that's plus everything. I noticed you had a quote on your website, I think it was one of your blog posts that says, you squeeze your writing in between the gaps of your life. Now that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of squeezing.
1: It is. And actually um, I look back on how many books I've written in the last – four years and I don't know how I did it because it was it's been a lot of late nights and early mornings and it hasn't been easy I think that's one of the myths that I like to dispel as someone who writes very quickly there's this misconception that it must therefore be easy and it is not I work so hard and but now oh my gosh my kids are both at full-time school and I feel like a lady of leisure in comparison I am you know I have to have a full seven hours in which to work I feel um I can't get my head around how much time I now have. So it's, um, you know, but I have had to be, again, very disciplined to make it to this point with little people, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Now, everyone, there's never enough time in any of our lives to do any kind of writing, uh, but the people who succeed, and this comes through on the podcast every week, the people who succeed... Uh, really make a conscious effort to prioritise that writing and not make it the only thing that you want to achieve, but then it must be at the top of your list to do each day, mustn't it?
1: It, it is, yeah. For me it's a real compulsion and it's I'm very fortunate that it's also my livelihood, but it's something that I love and I don't feel content unless I'm in a book. But I'm also – and I have to be careful how I say this because I love being a mum and I love my kids very much, but I was never – Um, I also hated being at home full time with the kids because, and I know a lot of people would love that. And, you know, it was just for me, I felt really, um, lonely. I didn't have a lot of friends down here we would recently relocated. Um, so I didn't have those established networks. My family wasn't here, so it was a really tough time. And so for me, probably why I started writing so obsessively was that was when I would just go to another place and it made me a better mum for sure because i had that outlet where i would go you know spend 2 hours on a greek island with a buff billionaire <laughs> then come back and make baked beans and sausages
0: (laughs) (laughs) and everyone if you want to go back and listen to that podcast um with where Claire and I chatted nine months ago I do believe that she used to lock them out of a study door and throw them packets of biscuits I think was the saying (laughs) um not that it was really like that but I can imagine it would have been absolutely wonderful Anything,
1: anything because you you know you do what you have to do and look they get a lot of the the upside is I have been home with them they get a lot of my attention and focus but when I'm When it's my time to write, that's when we do whatever I do, whatever I need to really to keep them happy. And it's got easier as they've got older, they play together really well. And I just slip my ear pods in and off I go.
0: Yeah, now. slice of life everyone you don't need a room of your own you don't need to do six courses there are so many how to write a novel courses out there right now um i'm i'm actually pushing a different barrel i'm saying sit down put your bum on the chair and write and get that first draft finished do you think that that's actually pretty good advice because once you've got your draft down you can do something with it
1: I think it's great advice and I think the only way you become a better writer is to write a lot and often. It's like any uh, muscle that you flex. So the more you flex it, the better you get. And, you, you know, the other thing is most people, to be a writer, you don't necessarily just have one great book in you. So I would say don't get too emotionally attached to anything you do. Write a book, put it aside, and while you're waiting for feedback on that, go on the next one. You know, because it's you might get crushing feedback on that in six weeks time that makes you not want to write. Whereas if you're halfway into another story that you're loving passionately, that will bother you less. Um, and it is. It's just about keeping going, being consistent, having good practices.
0: Yeah. And it's really interesting. And it's something we want to I think you use the word segue, segue into, is it? Uh Claire asked me before we started the podcast, was I looking at getting published with Mills and Boone this year? And my response is, no, I'm too lazy to get published with anyone. I'm just going to write my stories. Uh, So this year, as we noticed um, last week when we had Tracy Peterson on the podcast. It's about getting words on the page, getting as much written as we can. Uh, At what stage of the process do you recommend that people start looking about whether they're going to indie publish or whether they're going to seek a publisher? Do you suggest that that's happening in tandem or do you wait until a book's finished?
1: Hmm, That's a really good question. I think that I think that the advice is to wait until you've finished a book. But with that being said, when I I pitched to Joe Grant at the Romance Writers of Australia conference and I didn't pitch a book so much as I pitched myself, I did have a book ready to go, but I was intending to indie publish it, which I went on to do, Um, and it wasn't she when i submitted to them they just liked the way i wrote and so they they asked me to write something else and i did and that's what went on to become bought for the billionaire's revenge so i think that any opportunity you have, whatever state your book is in, to put yourself in front of an industry professional uh, in any way. And it's not necessarily a face-to-face pitch opportunity. Lots of publishing houses like Mills & Boone at the moment are doing their romance blitz. They did a dare blitz about six months ago um, where they've asked for submissions and they've guaranteed editorial feedback. I don't care what stage your book is at, the opportunity to get editorial feedback from someone who does it for a living and has done it for years and years and knows what's selling really well, I think, do it you know that's that's a great learning opportunity
0: okay i'm writing that down everybody editorial feedback guaranteed editorial feedback from mills and boone romance blitz is that just in australia or is that overseas as well
1: right and i'm sure it's the same I'm, i'm sure it is editorial feedback i know it was with dare and i think that's the whole thing is they're saying get them in we will read them and we'll get back to you with if we want it or what's not working and i know for the dare blitz they have signed at least one of the DARE writers has come out of that. So yeah. it, is, it does lead somewhere and her book is in the last stages of the editorial and will be out in a few months. So,
0: And that's exciting, everybody. Uh, the Romance Writers of Australia is a very active group. Uh, they look after each other. They're a huge network of... Um, what I would say very experienced uh, writers and I'm a male and female I was going to say female but we don't know that there's males out there too I'm sure Mm. Uh, that network for those of us here in Oz is really worth pursuing and in England and America they've got the Romance Writers Associations as well and I would be surprised there'd be very few writers who would not help someone coming along behind them
1: yeah absolutely Absolutely, because it's everybody's been there, and I actually wasn't a member of the RWA when I started, but the competitions are amazing, the sense of camaraderie. We have a group um, in the RWA, uh, a Facebook group called Word Count Warriors, and there's 110 of us, and we all, Annie Seaton's in it, and... Um, Tia Cooper. We just and we all inspire each other. Some of us write, uh, like Jay Hicks, um, three to six hundred words a day. Sometimes she has bigger days and we've become really great friends and it's a good way to see that some people write ten thousand words a day and other people a hundred, but we're all really happy that our books are chugging along and it's it's great.
0: Yeah, so there you go. You've got um, Tracy Peterson last week with her Million Word group. We've got uh, Claire here today with her with her Word Warriors. Now, you can yeah. listen to Tia and, our, um, I was going to say, um, Amy Andrews and Annie Seat. You can listen to them all here on the podcast because uh-huh. one of the things that we want to do here is get word out about what we're doing and everybody's successes. Do you find that going to conferences as well is a really good way to meet people and, and get Get to know what's going on and how you can get published.
1: Yeah, look, my first conference was the Romance Writers of Australia here in Adelaide in 2016. And I, it genuinely, you know, people toss this around, but I can say genuinely it was life changing. It's where I pitched to Joe Grant and my publishing contracts have come out of that. And I met Amy Andrews, who was, um, you know, we were friends at first sight, but she's been an incredible support and wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, I've connected with so many people through the conferences at the uh, recent conference in Brisbane. I met Jackie Ashton and Maisie Yates for the first time and have just uh, loved hearing from them and their insights and they're so generous with their knowledge and experience so and that's definitely a recurrent theme you meet people at these conferences who are prepared to put themselves out there and uh, it's incredible to have that sort of de facto mentorship that happens through places like the rwa
0: yeah and one thing that i have come to trust very much uh since i've been doing the podcast is you can never get enough romance authors There is a voracious readership out there, and the more we help each other and the more you guys help everyone get published, that seems to create an even bigger market. Mm,
1: Yeah. Look, I think uh, Mills and Boone sell a book every four seconds around the world, and that's not including all the ones that are in op shops and garage sales, and you you know, it's. that romance readers are voracious it's you know you would know it's the biggest part of the publishing industry um so yeah there's i think you can't have too many romance writers filling that uh that interest
0: yeah and i don't think that's going to change uh i think we all retire to our i guess our escape world if you like uh now the Something that really interests me as well is the level of erotica. Now, you write at both ends of the spectrum, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, And you're doing erotica with both – well, sorry, Dare may not be erotica, but to me it is. Um, Even with Mills and Boone, they're they're writing that really hot romance, but they're also catering just as much for the sweet romance. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I think that's it. I think that – a lot of readers, readers who only who read Sweet probably will only continue to read down that end of the spectrum, maybe getting close to closed door. So um, closed door romance, as you know, is where a couple will be intimate but you don't see that. So a lot of their lines cater to that as well and then they go to the more purely um, innocent sort of storylines. Whereas, and in books like Presents that I write, yes, they're sexy, um, they're intimate, but it's not as graphic or as much a part of the narrative as, say, the Dares, which are really very
0: sexy. Yeah, and I, I skipped those pages, everybody. I had to skip them from Claire's as well. I just read the nice bits. <laughs> well, some of us say that's the nice well, bit.
1: There's lots of nice bits, a bit of swearing. But, I mean, I think that it's an important distinction because it is, they are erotic, but they're very much romance erotica. Uh, To me, the difference is the sex very much contributes to the narrative. So it's not sex for the sake of sex. It furthers the emotional connection between the hero and heroine. It's just, you're seeing it all. So, and that's a really important point to make that, yes, while it's very hot and graphic, it is really heartfelt as well.
0: Yeah. And I don't think people would read it if it wasn't Claire. I don't think we would have that interest. And now I'm, I'm tipping into stereotypes here and my daughter's going to kill me. But we like we connect emotionally with our reading, I think. And so we've got to connect emotionally with our characters to care enough to read.
1: Absolutely. it's And it's one of the things that I was mentioning to you before the podcast. I look back at one of the books that I was writing years ago, right at the beginning of my journey. And And I was trying to work out why it wasn't working. And I know now that I didn't get to the heart of their problem soon enough, as in, you know, there's an arc in a book and you want to see the characters develop and ideally you want to see them have something that they're facing that they overcome, whether it's a problem that they're facing together or an internal problem. And, you know, so for me, I like to get that out within the first few pages so you're rooting for the character from the beginning. You're, you know, you're sympathetically drawn to them and you want to see them succeed and, and that's an emotional connection. Yeah,
0: and, and the thing I noticed too, and this is really interests me, is the female characters... They're almost aggressive in taking what they want and the hero actually saves them from their own aggression and seems to tame them down and allow them to be that sweet, gentle woman. Whereas once upon a time, they were the sweet, gentle woman and the male was encouraging them to be more openly aggressive. It's gone completely the other way, hasn't it?
1: yeah well it's very um i think with with off limits it's it's more that they find a balance you know she i think with gemma she is uh very empowered she's and she has a very high powered job and jack completely depends on her and a part of her i guess defensive mechanism is that she um is quite closed off to him or appears to be very closed off to him but you know this is another thing that the dare books do they say it's about women knowing what they want and reaching for it with both hands. You know, they're not afraid to speak up. And to, and that, that is probably very reflective of 21st century attitudes and desires and, um, and resonates with readers.
0: And you have to know this, everyone. We're having this conversation because I'm picking Claire's brain for what I'm writing a, a bit of a romance. Actually, I'm finishing a romance I wrote a year ago and only submitted the first seven chapters. I actually do the final five chapters <laughs> Uh, And so I'm very curious about how we, I guess, portray our characters in a way that makes them really contemporary. Now, Nora Roberts has always been able to do that really, really easily. Uh, There's not a lot of um, introspection. There's not a lot of uh, long paragraphs. If you were to pull apart, I guess, your off-limits book, everyone, that that we're looking at here, it's really Mm fast-paced. Yes. Um, A lot of
1: dialogue. A lot of dialogue and one of the things I think to make them very contemporary and very um, realistic is I, I do read the dialogue aloud to myself after I've written it because I think that you can it's very easy to fall into traps of writing dialogue that isn't as we speak so I try to make the dialogue as realistic as possible so so for example using their names too often you know that's something that I see a lot in writing where I'm talking to you Melinda and I'm saying Melinda would you like a tea and you know Melinda I really like the way your hair and it's very distracting as a reader when they because that's not how we speak you know so so I do I think um Reading the dialogue back to yourself is is great and helpful, but I also, in terms of creating uh, very credible and contemporary characters, I think of people I know, people I'm friends with, people that um, I like from TV or movies, and and use that as sort of an idea to help form a character.
0: Have you ever uh, thought about using Dragon Dictation to to speed up your process? Ah. Oh.
1: You know, I was talking to Annie Seaton and Sarah Williams about this last night because I know that they. Oh, uh, Sarah has been saying she's had great success. I know of people who use it, but when I would have to get better at it. Whenever I try to talk a story out, if I'm driving, I just don't engage in the same way as when I put fingertips to key um, to keyboard. It's um, so. I and also I write. I write a thousand words in 20 minutes when I'm typing so I can do 3000 words in an hour. And that's I haven't heard of many people who dictate faster than that. And you have to go back and do a lot of tidying. So I think for someone like me who can type and write very quickly, there's not. The benefits are, of course, standing up and, you know, I have carpal tunnel in one arm. So, yeah, there are definite health benefits to it. But in terms of writing, there's not the benefit for me.
0: Yeah, and it's a skill that you have to learn, everybody. I've been doing little five-minute writing habits each day, and I've discovered that with YouTube you can get the transcript. And I thought, oh, wow, I'll just throw them over into the blog and I won't have to do anything. And I put one up this morning, and it was really interesting because the way that I talk, it's a lot more intimate and it's a lot more fast-paced but repetitive. And you don't stop to explain yourself, so you've got run-on sentences, and I found that I I was really shocked at the difference between words on a page and voice speaking. There is a huge difference, isn't there?
1: Of course, and there are certain... um, There's a different cadence to how I speak and how I write, and I I like the way that I write for the book. So, you know, there's just... I guess everyone gets in the habit and if for those authors who are in the habit of using Dragon Dictation and it works for them, then I'm quite envious because I think if I could make the leap, it would be better from a lifestyle perspective. But uh, for now, I'm, I'm very happy with sitting in my comfortable chair with my laptop.
0: On my lap. <laughs> yeah, and some of us, you can even sit up in bed. I often quite see authors. You know, they're sitting up in their bed typing away with their cat. And I thought we can actually do this thing anywhere, can't we? anywhere yeah,
1: and I mean, I have got a tiny. This is my lounge room. I write here, right here or in my bedroom. Yeah. So and oftentimes at the kitchen bench with you know baked beans on the stove.
0: <laughs> yeah. So not, yeah, yeah. She hasn't got a um, nanny. Everybody. Uh, these romance authors make a lot of money, but they can't afford nannies. <laughs> yeah um now social media what changes have you noticed um and especially in the last twelve months, I think there seems to be some funny things going on with social media. Do you still rely on it?
1: There is some talk about Facebook pages being less relevant now that they're uh, the best way for authors to connect to readers is in groups, so that's probably why there's been this proliferation of uh, writers having Facebook groups to connect to people uh, so what it is with a page their Facebook's really limiting how they're Showing your posts, and if they are seen to be a promotional post, it goes to hardly anybody unless you pay to promote it. So it's that's a bit frustrating uh, as someone who's got um, you know a, a nice following on Facebook. But but to be honest, I tend to I don't know if social media is a good vehicle for driving sales. It's a great fun and a lovely way to connect to people and to have an online presence, but. Uh, and so that's kind of, I guess, for people who read my books and they want to know more about me as a person, they might come to social media, but I, I rely more on, um, Amazon, the people who subscribe to my page over on Amazon get notified every time a new indie book comes out or any of my books actually come out. Um, so I think that there are more effective ways to to sell and, and that's not what social media is about for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. and that, that's a really interesting thing, everybody, because I've certainly noticed um, I was advised to go from my personal Facebook page to my business Facebook page. And it just doesn't work. There is nobody there on your business Facebook page except Facebook telling you to pay money to promote your, your stuff. So if you've got a personal Facebook page, everyone, I actually recommend that you keep it. Uh, Instagram is, is going the same way. Uh, you can put up – I notice you put up a lot of cups, cups of coffee.
1: Instagram is the probably the most personal uh, f- personal side of me that I put on social media because it's very I love I I really love Instagram. I love that you can curate your feed and I I spend a lot of time there um perving at beautiful houses and coffees and wines and you know um uh, yeah so it's less about also my 14-year-old nephew follows me on Instagram so it's like not somewhere that I can put up raunchy book quotes I'm very mindful of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people put up quotes and things, uh, yeah. but I find I'm reading them less and less. I was at first, um, but now I'm I'm looking for the personal. I'm looking for, you know, all of you guys who are out doing your bushwalks and doing whatever else you do, yeah. because I can relate to that. And it's interesting trying to find other ways to, to promote your, what you're doing. And I'm guessing email list is probably still the old tried and true way of getting through to your readers.
1: Yeah, definitely email list is good, but then it's um it's the thing about having the right followers on your email list. So, uh mine has built quite quite slowly and steadily, but I do find when I send an email out that I get a huge upturn in sales. So, uh so I'd say that most people who've subscribed to me are I genuine readers and buyers of my books which is nice
0: yeah and some of those giveaways everyone i think tracy was mentioning a few last week uh you you give you do these big giveaways but you may not necessarily get people who are the slightest bit interested in buying your stuff they just want the freebie really? so you have to be careful and they're
1: the ones who are most likely to one star review it too because it's outside of their wheelhouse completely and you know that's it's the same whenever you do free books you will get a percentage of people who download them because they're free and they're not going to like it because it's not what they read generally and so, for a reason, they're not buying that sort of thing so it 's a double edged sword to be aware of they 're still great for gaining momentum and getting your book into the hands because you 'll get a lot of people who do love romance who take advantage of a free deal to download them um, i was i'd say that is a really effective marketing tool and and not just because of that it spurs the algorithms on so when I first started and I had two books out i did, I made my first book free, and my second book was I it, sorry, my first book downloaded in the thousands per day free, which I now know is quite unusual. Um, and it immediately, my second book had this massive uptake, and that was it. It was off. So a bit of blind luck there, but uh, but I would say that's a great way to do it.
0: Yeah, and algorithms. We're not even going to go there, everybody. Algorithms Gosh. give me a headache. <laughs> Uh, Well, I actually quite like the idea of walking into Big W and seeing all your books there. I walk in there now and I go, oh, I know that one and I know that one. That must be a real thrill too.
1: Yeah. It is. It really is. There's nothing like it um, to go into shops and to have friends around the world send you photos of your book in their shop, uh, their local WH Smith, a girlfriend of mine sent last night and um, especially the UK because that's where my husband and I lived for a long time and um, I used to go into WH Smith almost every day on my way home from work and, and look at the books and the magazines and so to know that I'm there is you know, that's the thing for me about Mills and Boone. There's so much heritage in it. It means something to everybody. And to me, they're the first books I fell in love with. They're my enduring reading love. And I get quite emotional to think that I'm contributing to that landscape and that the hope that one day someone will pick up my book and read it as an impressionable 12-year-old like I did in Emma Darcy and go on to maybe be writing for them. It's, it's really a beautiful, a beautiful experience.
0: Yeah, I love Emma Darcy. I love um, Valerie Parve. They were all the ones that I started on as well. And now we're reading you, Claire. You've got a beautiful necklace on um, that's got to be something to do with romance. Now, this is actually uh, – can you – if I bring you closer, it's a – I'm looking at everybody. I'm looking at um, Claire's chest, everybody. Oh, it's a Mills and Boone badge, World's Best Romances.
1: And it's it's a the really retro sort of um, back from maybe sort of the 1970s books. But this was actually a gift from Amy Andrews when I signed to Mills and Boone.
0: Oh, how beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's, aren't they just gorgeous? I love it. I wear it all the time. I'm so proud of it.
0: Yeah. See, so it is a bit of an in-club, everybody, and we are going to break in one day. We're going to try and bash those doors down and join them. Uh, what's word on the ground about, um, I guess, unpublished authors or um, aspiring authors is what, what we're called, to to break into the Mills and Boone ranks here in Aussie? I know I, know I see quite a few writers um, being successful at that.
1: Yeah, so I think that they've got a portal where you can submit at any time and they they are faster than they used to be. Pre-portal, I think it was about six months. I think now they say three months to get back to you. So so when I first started submitting, to, it was when I started submitting in about 2013, it was a six-month wait. But in that six months, I'd written a book and a half, you know, because you don't – so that as soon as I got a rejection, I would fire off another book because you can also only submit – one book at a time to them. So um, that's that's what I mean. If I had waited and then got a rejection, I would probably have become really disenchanted and not, not written again. But so you can always submit if you've got something ready and I think it is cover letter synopsis and first three chapters usually. But I would say in that instance, once you've submitted it, try to finish the book because you don't want your one opportunity if they come back and ask for a full manuscript for you then to go, oh, okay, I'll send it over in three months when it's done. So obviously, you know, keep plugging away at it. Because that's part of it is knowing that you can finish a book is very important.
0: Yeah. Do they still want it in hard copy? I remember in the olden days I did this and it was the old hard copy with um, international reply coupons over to England,
1: that's what I did when I was 15 and I submitted my first one and I printed it out and bound it in pink ribbon and waited and waited and then got my sad little rejection letter. Um, no, not hard copy at all. Everything's digital. So you just submit through the portal and and that's great. Think of the paper that's being saved apart from anything and the postage. And
0: <laughs> Yeah, Claire was 15, I was 30. <laughs> uh, but the other, other thing that interests me is, um, as you said, send it off through the portal, um, get your answers back, you can actually be writing your novels. I've forgotten the whole query letter, the one-page synopsis, the the send-off-the-three-chapters. That can actually be quite daunting to a new writer.
1: Absolutely, and it's such an art form because you as a writer, you love everything about your story, all the twists and turns. And so it's very difficult, I think, not to put all that in your synopsis, you know, and this happens and then there's the watch that they find and, you know, a storm and no, it's, it should, in my opinion and experience, it should always hinge on the central conflicts that, that's driving the narrative forward. Um, what's the problem and, and how do they overcome it? So it's, it's, should be quite simple and ideally I always think you should be able to you know the elevator pitch theory I think that before you sit down to write a synopsis um and I actually do this before I write a book now you should be able to do a tweet pitch or an elevator pitch and and know your story in two or three sentences because it's not um that is the central seed of what you're explaining and so yeah sure it's going to be 55,000 words but you need to always be able to come back what are they fighting for what are they pushing against to to
0: drive people forward yeah I hope you're taking notes everybody because it's all going to fuss me I've forgotten all this stuff I love the idea of a tweet pitch now tweet pitches everybody uh one more thing I want to ask Claire. But first of all, tweet pitches. We've been Claire and I have sort of had a bit of a thought about how we can give away these four uh, dare books off limits. Why don't we make it a tweet pitch? <laughs> right. I love it. What do they have to tweet? Yeah. Now, if you tweet pitches, does that mean you've got to do it on Twitter? I don't know how Twitter works.
1: Yeah, um, but I guess we could do Twitter or Facebook, and they just have to tag us on Facebook.
0: And keep that, you know, two sentences. Or Instagram. Yeah, or Instagram. I know how to work Instagram. All right, everybody, we are going to put together a social media competition for these four novels uh, and then we'll, we'll I'll post them out to you because they've been um, given to us by Claire, which is really exciting. And I've I've read, I think I read half of one before I got distracted. I'll have to go back and finish the other half today. Um, lock myself in the air conditioning where it's so hot. All right, everyone, we're going to do, it'll be a two sentence, but it's going to be a pitch. I want it to be a pitch about what your novel is about. Um, because I think you can always practice that. Uh, so it's the old-fashioned ele- elevator pitch gone social, and, and I'll put something out about that this afternoon about that competition, Claire, and I'll scroll through them. I'll choose the final ones, and then I'll send it off to Claire for her her final verdict so we don't get her having... Uh, you know lots of lots of tweets to have to read does that sound like a great idea
1: sounds like a great idea i love it
0: i do too i love i love a tweet pitch tweet pitch appeals to me all right last thing what's next for claire connolly are uh, you going overseas to the overseas conferences are you going to turn around and write a uh, 120,000 word novel or are you just going to see out the year with your six romances
1: um well i'm um don't hate me but i've actually almost written what I need to this year. So I will, uh, but I'll always be writing. So I, so doing my category romances, I am working on a commercial women's fiction, which I'm really excited about. It's not sexy. It's very, um, it's quite sad. I love to write and I love to read books about coming through adversity and so that's very much the bent of this book um and it's really sucked me in but it's because it is a bigger project I've wanted to wait till the kids go to school so that I can really dip into it properly uh rather than squeeze get into the gaps (laughs) um and in terms of overseas travel, yes, I'll get to the UK. I was hoping to go for the royal wedding, but they didn't invite me. And my, no, I, I was going to go and line the street, but my sister lives over in the UK with her family, and they're actually coming back to visit a month afterwards. So it seems a bit silly to go so close. So I might go to the Association of Mills and Boone author lunch and soiree, which is in September usually. Sounds like a lot of fun. I think Trish Maury is going this year. So we might have to jump on our flight out of Adelaide and head over together.
0: (laughs) Now, everyone, if you're not having fun even listening to this, uh, you're you're not writing right. If there's any more incentive to get out your pen and paper and start writing, Claire's life is absolutely romantic. But make no mistake, it's really, really hard work and you're really, really busy. Um, But you wouldn't change it for anything, would you?
1: Oh, gosh, no. Absolutely not, because I'm busy doing what I love. So, and when I say it's hard work, the writing's not hard. It's hard always feeling like I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul, but I don't know any working parent who doesn't feel like that, or no, any no. parent actually working or not. You always feel like you're doing something wrong and you should be doing more of this, spending more time with them or more time at your job. So it's hard in those ways, but, and I do, I, I mean, I really do work long hours, but I wouldn't have it any other way, like you say.
0: Yeah, yep. I don't know anyone, I don't know any writer who doesn't, who's successful who doesn't mm. write really long hours and sometimes more hours than a day job by the time you get through everything that you have to do. Okay, yep. where can we find you? Oh,
1: uh, com is probably the best place, so two N's and two L's. Um, has all of my books and information but also across social media I'm at Claire Writes Love.
0: Yeah and I've got to tell you everybody Claire's website is worth going to have a look at um just on its own it's it's a beautiful website did you do it yourself
1: I did do it myself. Thank you. So it's very nice of you to compliment it.
0: Ah, I, I just got hooked on the um, big boxes with um, all the books, uh, get in touch, the blog, the pictures. They're all flowers, everybody, and I love flowers. Um, but then Claire is from the Flower City. So uh, you are in Adelaide, aren't you? I'm assuming you're in Adelaide. I am. I'm yeah. in Adelaide. Yeah. yeah. All right, everyone, um, that's it from Claire and I. We're going to go offline now and we're going to gossip some more. So it's bye from uh, me here at Ride on the Road and me thank you very much for listening okay and please everybody make sure you get your tweet pictures ready I love it bye for now